What's Good Podcast. Are you ready? Your number one source. To all the keys in the industry. With Brianna Javon. It's the What's Good Podcast. Because the car is a nuisance, the watches are cool, whatever, the jewelry's cool, but it doesn't really change the day. It's knowing that you could afford it. Mm-hmm. But people miss that piece. Mm-hmm. And they go from A to Z and they don't really understand what it takes in the inside. And I think that's why we have so many people that are in debt and so many people that, that are like check to check because they don't understand what it really takes to maintain like a big house what it takes to maintain a mercedes what it takes to maintain a bmw like those are depreciating things like there's so much that you don't see because all you see is the end result Ladies and gents, this is your girl, Brianna Javon, and we are here for another episode of What's Good Podcast Season 6. Now, you've been hearing me say I'm doing this season by myself and things of this nature, but we got a surprise for you. We have our very first Wild Card Wednesday, and I'm super excited about the conversation today. Let's go ahead and bring him in. His name is Hussein. How are you? I'm doing well, Brianna. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. So as you guys know, we do not have interviews, but instead we have genuine conversations. So let's get into it. So we usually start off with an icebreaker. Are you ready for your icebreaker? Yeah, for sure. All right. So your icebreaker, which definitely coincides with our conversation today, what does fear mean to you and how do you navigate those triggers to avoid them from doing any interruptions during your journey? Okay. So fear to me, is going to be the acronym, which is the title of my book. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's going to be forget everything and reset. And for me, I don't, I don't want to say I'm not af- afraid of anything, but I don't let the fact that I'm afraid of something determine my decision. Mm. So if I am afraid of something, I have to figure out why. And then if I can figure out why, then I understand if it's a viable threat. Or if it's just something I'm cooking up in my in my mind, which is what fear is, right? Fear, by definition, is uh, the the emotional response to a perceived stimuli. Mm. So it's how you feel about something that you perceive mm-hmm. could be true, but that's the definition. So for me, it's forget everything I reset. Mm, okay, so we're going to get into the book and all that good stuff, right? So let's go ahead and get into our genuine conversation. And what we usually do, we go in to say, who is the guest? So for you, who is Hussein? For me, I'm a dad, um, soon to be grandpa, my husband, Congrats. son, I'm an educator. And that's that's who I would say I am as Hussein as a person. Uh, professionally, people might say, well, you're a real estate investor, you're a coach, mentor, that sort of thing. But just me, I'm just a chill dude. I just relax. I'm, that's what I'm saying is I'm really laid back. 
So let's talk about that as far as, you know, you being laid back, you being chill, and you mentioned all different types of characteristics as well as, you know, being an educator and things of that nature. I want to start off with Little Hussein. Who was that person as, you know, growing up, being family-oriented? Um, you know, if you were, let's say, influenced by parents being an entrepreneur today, who is Little Hussein and what was he like when he was little? Oh, my mom would want to answer that for me, but <laughs> <laughs> now nah, little Hussein, like I had a, I, I had a smart mouth. Mm. I was fresh, and um, yeah, that, that definitely like that would be the overarching. If you talk to a hundred people that knew me, definitely a uh, smart mouth. Um, moving on up into the teens, maybe it would. I still have a smart mouth, sarcastic, funny. Mm-hmm. Right, you got to be funny to be sarcastic. You need both. Mm-hmm. Good balance. Um, yeah, <laughs> honest. I always was known for making moves, even as a little kid. Um, there's a story I didn't put in the book. Even like in second grade, I got in trouble one day for coming home with a lot of money. And long story short, I was selling like doubles of like comic book baseball cards. Mm. So my mom would get them for me. And then I ended up getting my own with the money from school. Mm-hmm. And I ended up selling my doubles. And she was like, like, did you steal that? And I was like, nah, like I sold my doubles. So I always, I've always been uh, innovative to a degree mm-hmm. in terms of business and finding niches and so on. And then the other part of the question was influences. Mm-hmm. So if I had to go my Mount Rushmore, number one is my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the overarching uh, through and through. If I was going to say my number one male role model, that'd be my big brother. He's in the book as well. Mm-hmm. And then now uh, my two, two of my main influences would be my wife and would be my um, my daughter. So because I, I do it for them, like everything stopped. I had a shift when I had my daughter and, you know, things, which is all of that is in the book to a degree. That's beautiful. So I want to talk about, you know, as you mentioned, you had a business mindset at a very, very young age. Let's be honest, we didn't have YouTube to go to when it comes to business and definition and figuring out things as we go, right? So where exactly did you get that business mindset and for you to learn how to flip money and, you know, figure that out while you were in the second grade? (laughs) So where did that business set come from, that business mindset come from? To me, I've always been kind of cheap. Like they used to, I'm from Brooklyn. So they used to call me a miser. A miser is a Jewish word, like Yiddish, which means cheap, like, you know, like a cheapskate. But that's because like I was poor, like we were broke. Mm-hmm. So any little money that we would get, like I would get like money for school lunch or whatnot. If I had extra, I would save it because I always wanted to buy things back in the days. It was comics or comic book cards before I got into like clothes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So for me, I've always been really good at math, not like, you know, quadratics and quantum fitness, nothing like that, you know, not rocket science, but just on a real surface level, which is all you really need to be good at business, understanding percentages, that sort of thing, sixth grade and under, that's all you need to, to do well in terms of business. Now, me personally, I just feel like it was like a sixth sense. I had surplus cards that I couldn't do anything with. Mm-hmm. My friends had them. We used to trade them. Why not sell them too? Right. So that to me, that was just a, a natural thing to go ahead and do. Now I have another story 
that may make sense and maybe because I, you know, I give my pops like some credit, mm-hmm. but, um, and, and as an adult being a dad, I try to reflect and see whether he did it intentionally mm-hmm. or was it just like a good idea? There was this one time like he, my, my father, um, was a martial arts instructor. Okay. So he would put together these tournaments, right? Like, you know, people go compete, whatnot. And then every now and then, I think he would do two a year, he would throw them. So we would do comite, like, you know, hand in hand, right? So what happened is everybody needed like mouthpieces or different things for the event. So there was one time where he was like, look, he used to give my mom like money on a weekly for my brother and I. And he'd be like, you know, give your mom this money, give your mom this money. And then one time he was like, look, I could give you this $50 or you could buy this case of this bag. of It was like this, like, you know, a bag of mouthpieces, mouthpiece protectors, like cases that you put your mouthpiece in. Right. You could buy these and you could sell them to everybody in the school and you get $5 each one. But you Mm got to buy a bag for me with the 50. You have a choice. So I was like, you know, I looked at the bag. I was like. And I already knew math. And this is like, you know, six, seven, eight, something like that. So like, I bet I'll buy the bag from you and I'll sell them. And then he stopped the class. He was like, yo, give him $5, everybody, whatever. I left out of there with like probably a hundred, because it's probably like 20, 25 in a bag. I just remember having a lot of money because Mm -hmm. of some statement, some, this, that, and the third. And I left with more, but he gave me the opportunity to make the decision for myself. You know what I'm saying? Yes, because I know that happened to me. I was in a situation, it was a contest, and they had asked me, you know, do you want to invest in yourself or do you want money to go to uh, the studio and record your podcast? And I think that was like a realization. If I get the equipment, then I can ultimately teach people, you know, based off of my own experience. I didn't learn that till later, like you mentioned, just self-reflecting, right? And then versus getting that money, and that's, what it was going to be just at the studio. So it's just so funny how you don't think about it then when it happens, but then later, you know, you self-reflect and everything just comes together. Like, have you ever sat down with your father and asked him like, hey, was you just playing those nuggets or was that just you? <laughs> nah, you know what's messed up? Now that you said it, I like my pops just passed like December a year. So like 17 months ago, mm. just passed. And um. Uh, now that you think, now that you mind, I'm like, damn, that would have been a good conversation to have. But, but that being said, it, it's, um, you know, you only remember certain, a certain number of memories yeah. from your childhood. Yes. And the fact that that's a recurring one mm-hmm. and I've never forgotten it. It maybe it was, it was, it was critical, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And, and now that I have, you know, a reputation for being a business person, maybe that was one of those things. Uh, another another thing that my pops used to do when I was younger was like he was a porter, right? So like he did like uh, maintenance, mm-hmm. and you know in New York, you know really big buildings, whatever. This is like kind of like when collecting cans kind of became a thing. He had this big fifteen passenger van, and mm-hmm. he was like, "You want to collect money? To, you want to collect cans to get extra money? Not mm-hmm. not not cans was five was five cents, right? I remember that? Five I- cents now is nothing." Right. But back in the days, a slice of pizza in New York was 75 cents. The bus was 75 cents. Sneakers was $40. So like, and remember, I'm like six, seven. I'm young, eight. I'm young. Mm-hmm. So to me, like, you know, I could collect some cans and, and go do this. And hell yeah, I'll do that. And it was on top of whatever he was already going to give me when he was giving us money. So 
I, I, I want to say that it, it maybe perhaps instilled some sort of a work ethic in me because I have like a gang of brothers and nobody else did that. Right. But I said, I'll do it. So what happened was he never made me like gossip. I never like went in garbage hands, nothing crazy like that. But he had them because part of his job was like separating the trash. Ah. So he had like the, we would have bags, bags, like we would spend like a couple hours and then, you know, it would add up to whatever it would add up to. And then that was back in the days and I would spend a Saturday with him and I would come home with like a hundred something dollars, 80, like on top of at, at eight, you know what I'm saying? So like to do whatever I wanted to do with the money mm-hmm. and I would save it, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And like, cause things were cheap, you know, I buy a comic book was 99 cent, 50 cents. So like I had money. So I've, I've always had this mindset that you know making money or generating money is it's not that it's easy to do but it's simple to do right and there's a distinction mm. right so it's it's simple you just have to you know kind of like you know know what something's worth and, blah, 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 and putting in the time so i've never been afraid to put in time to to build something up mm, okay so i think that is a really great transition to get into the chapter of you being an educator because as you mentioned like you're talking about kind of like case studies in a sense, right? Like you got to know the difference between this, you got to learn how to do this, and then you got to from there apply it this way. So I want to know, how did you get into the education portion of your life? Oh, my mom was a teacher. <laughs> she was a New York City public school teacher. Okay, okay. And is that something that you always wanted to do? Or was that something that came later? Like, you know what, let me try education. I'm one of those people that's like, you know, there's like religion and then it's like spiritual and then it's like chemical and then it's like all, you know, all these Science. things. Uh-huh. Right? Like, <laughs> my, like my, my pops was a martial arts instructor. So doesn't that make him an educator? It does. That's, I'm, I'm building on to that. That's why I asked. Right, about- right, right, right. So, so like, so boom. So then, so then technically if my pops was an educator and my mom was an educator, uh-huh. then naturally, like most people, like their family is in the military or their family is police or their family is in the medical field. You usually do what your parents do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, my family, the Kemp side, my mom's side is just all talkers. Everybody's really just bright. And whether they use their skills for evil or good, you know, that's to be certain, right? But everybody usually has the gift of gab and and is is really smart. And um, it just makes sense. And it, from like a spiritual side, like we spoke, this is what we're supposed to do, right? Like mm-hmm. if you have insp- information, you're supposed to pass it to the next person to make them better which makes everybody better. So education just kind of came naturally to me. Even when I was a teenager, I volunteered at schools. That was my internship. Even even when I knew I wasn't going to college, Mm -hmm. I still did an internship for um, education. And like when I, when I played basketball, sometimes like the little peewee league didn't have like a a ref. Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll ref the game. I'll do it for free. I don't need the money. I'll ref the game so they can play. So Mm -hmm. I've always had that inclination to just, you know, be around children and help them and whatnot. Lovely. And so I know we had chopped it up and we were discussing how you retired from educating at a very young age. I want to know what was your mindset at that point to say, okay, because spiritual, right? As we're talking about it, 
you see your parents. They're both educators, martial arts, mom being a teacher. And now you're doing the same thing. Sounds to me, I can see the joy in your face as, you know, it just came natural for you to be an educator. So what was your mindset at that point to say, okay, it's time for me to retire and now do something else? I think it was the bureaucracy. Oh. When when I did education, I had a, a range of jobs from mm-hmm. when I was in my early 20s. Like my mom knew the system. So mm-hmm. she was like, you know, if you go as an assistant teacher, the city will pay for you to go to school. So I was like, cool. So that's free tuition. Cool. I'll go and I, and I knock that out and I get like on the job training and it's just that and the third. And so so like I gradually built up to even become an, uh, an administrator. And then uh, what happened along my career is I had some principles, you learn something good or bad or whatnot, teachers, politics, the whole thing, different types of schools. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what I realized is that like most things in America, the decisions that are made are not made for the benefit of the people who are affected. The decisions are made based on finance first. Yeah. And then if people could benefit, then cool. Mm -hmm. And it came down to that with children. I worked during the No Child Left Behind administration, right, with Bush, uh, Common Core, and and all of these different things that changed. And when I was at these administrative meetings, the number one conversation was around money. It was never about improving the children's, you know, education. It might have been improving test scores. Mm-hmm. It might have been about the best way. So, so what I learned and being in with principals, at the end of my career, I was a staff developer. Okay. So I got impressed by saying this. So, like my job would be like just schools failing in math. Thirty percent of your kids are passing. They would send me in. I would do eight weeks, twelve weeks, whatever. Work with certain teachers, work with certain grades to get the scores up. Mm-hmm. And I did. Like I killed that job. I killed it mm-hmm. everywhere I went. But the conversations were always about money. So the principals had me come in and they to fix test scores. I'll give you an example. Passing in New York was a three. Excelling okay. is a four. Uh, as far as a rating. You're reading, and, right? Yeah, well, like you got the regents in the mid, and it, but mm-hmm. like the kids at like the state exams, right? ELA and math exams. And then you have kids that are ones and then you have kids that are twos. If you got a kid to change a field, you get like extra points. Mm-hmm. And if you got a minority to do it, you got extra points. And if you got a student with an IEP, you get even extra, extra points. Hmm. So if you had a, a black student who was in, who had an IEP or was in special ed to move, that was that. So we did would target certain kids mm-hmm. because it meant more money for the school and right. it meant a bonus for the principal. Right. So they're doing all this work to move ones to twos and not even all the ones to twos. Mm-hmm. It was the kids who just missed about a couple of points. And there's kids who were two years behind. They didn't even care about. They only cared about the kids that can move mm-hmm. because that was their bang for their buck. And I was like, but this kid really like needs help. Or what about the kid that was a three that could become a four and that four could determine a junior high school, which determines that high school changes their life. Oh, no, no, forget about them. They're passing. We're not worried about them. And I'm like, and it wasn't just one school. It wasn't just one borough. It was, that was the mindset. And I was like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. You know, and then teachers have good ideas and energy and whatnot. And the bureaucracy bogs them down. And then they don't want to teach anymore. I seen good teachers leave. I was a good teacher. I thought, you know, I left. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It, it just it's just what happens. And there's something wrong with any institution where the main profession is one that people don't want to do. Most teachers that teach a long time, they don't stay in the classroom. They want to become a trainer, become a coach, become a principal, become a dean. But anything to not be in when to pull out services, anything to not be in the classroom, there's something fundamentally wrong with that. No, really, because, and I think that's nine to fives. I think that's all the way around. Like if you like if you go to your job and you are not happy or depressed, it's just a questionable thing all day, every day. You have to figure out, okay, I need to change. And then for you, it was like a maybe like a light bulb situation to say, okay, I don't like the way this industry is working. It's not for the kids when it's supposed to be for the kids. And so I know when we were discussing things, like even though you have retired from the school districts and education, you still take time out to be with kids and support kids. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I think it's real education. Mm -hmm. So we know, and it's in the news that education that we, as we have it today, like for example, next year is the first year where we won't have daylight savings time. It's so weird. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Let's digress a little bit. How do you feel about that too? Like, I will get back, but like, how do you feel about the no daylight saving times? Nobody else in the world does it. Why are we still doing it? We should have been stopped that. Okay. Okay, so you're for it. It's not necessary. That that was back in a time when we didn't have the tech that we had. It's, It's completely unnecessary. Gotcha. Okay, I was I was with um someone the other day, a little older, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like my mom just flew out to visit. So we took her around, see people, whatever, whatever we do. And um, so we were talking about a young lady who doesn't know how to write cursive. And then uh the person in the room, not my mom, because she's educated, she knows better, but the person in the room, I can't believe they don't teach them how to write in cursive. When I was in school, I learned cursive. When you were in school, a computer didn't exist. Right. No, that does make it. Yeah. When, when you was in school, we learned about map orientation. It was it was a, a crucial thing. Why would you need map orientation when you have GPS? Well, what if your phone dies? There's so many other things. Now cars have it. Like it's it's an obsolete, it's an obsolete skill set to have. Like writing, like like Roman numerals. Who cares if you know Roman numerals? Mm-hmm. Spelling, spelling. I nobody can spell anymore, but spelling has never been an indication of intelligence. But why would you need it when you have spell check? And then again, well, you you're dumb. You're not dumber because kids know different things that you don't know because they have access to this. Like you can't code. Mm-hmm. It's efficient. You know? Yeah. So what happens is education ought to keep up and get children prepared for what their lives are going to be like, not what it was designed for, right? Mm -hmm. So public education first was started by freed slaves in New York. The public education model we have in New York started from New York. That's where it came from, from enslaved, uh, uh, freed people back in the days. This this was not done for for what was best for everybody. Okay. It was a business practice mm-hmm. when it became um, nationally recognized, right? This comes from like Ford and that kind of thing, right? Because school was designed to get you to work in a factory. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. why you have bells. That's why you have lines. That's mm-hmm. that's what it was designed for. So you're talking about a hundred years ago. We don't even have Ford. Don't even really make money like that. Tesla's <laughs> the number one thing. Everybody's moving their stuff around to keep compete with Tesla. So if the education and the models and they're they're a hundred years old, no wonder why our kids aren't performing when we compete against other countries. That's why we don't make doctors. We don't make new tech. We don't make America doesn't produce anything. Really, mm-hmm. no, Chris Rock said a joke. Uh, the only thing America produces is what diabetes. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't produce anything. So, um, so I still give back to kids because I know for them to be successful in the future, they have to know finance. They have to know about their credit score because it's going to affect their, their their car insurance, whether they can get an apartment or not. These are things that they need, and it, and there's a hole in the education system. It predominantly affects black and brown, of course, but it's still everybody. I work with schools with kids of, of all creeds, you know, uh, so I, I see the niche and I think it's important. So I volunteer my time to go back to schools where the teachers have the foresight, like my kids are going to need this. So I'm still in classrooms. I love that. I love that you give your time because I feel like it is important because they are our future. So you have a couple of foundations. You got books. So let's talk about the Mary Kemp Foundation first. Okay. Mary Kemp is my mom. Mm -hmm. And I created something in her honor because I didn't need something in my name. Mm -hmm. And I want to highlight her legacy. And I want her to be around to see the fruits of her labor. Mm. so that's why I put it in her name and like if you go to the website today and maybe as if you went six months ago versus if you go in a couple months like that we didn't really have content so it was like some stock stuff but then like it was about me (laughs) because I was the one out there doing stuff but now we have footage of her and it's about her and about what she was about and and that sort of thing yeah the family's based on education but what we do is we give money to schools sports individuals, anything related to education, STEM, to kind of even the playing field, uh-huh. college, prep, uh, you name it. And we're always looking to give more and more money. And the origin of that is I do well in real estate. Uh-huh. So like, what am I going to do? Like blow all my money on nonsense? Like, so I got to park it somewhere. Why not give back to schools and, and people in the areas where I invest? Uh-huh. So I'm actually reinvesting in the same places, which benefits everybody. Okay, so before we get into real estate, I want to go back to the process of how do you choose these different things to invest in, like you mentioned with the foundation, when it comes to schools, when it comes, I know we mentioned about scholarships before, how do you choose and what does that process look like for you to invest in those certain things? If that's people, if that's organizations, if it's school, how do you make that decision to invest in those things? It comes down to the board that runs the foundation. Mm-hmm. It's basically like a family run thing. I picked the board. We all voted because it's a very legal process. Okay. When you have a nonprofit, everything has to be nonprofits I found out get audited every few years just as practice Mm. because it's totally tax deferred okay so they always just so everything has to be uh you know to the the letter but um for me it's a vibe like it's my mom what's the number one thing people associate my mom with at again like you asked me who Hussein was Mm -hmm. outside of being like a nice woman or whatever professionally it's education 
And we know education is one of the most important things that can level the playing field or that can change things. So we got to educate children. So there was like, for example, there's one local student killing it in track and field, but didn't have money to go to, I think, I forgot what city it was, but to make a meet. And that meet was the qualifier for him to get to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So the next Olympics, he has a shot in being in it, but he didn't have $1,600. He got like 3000 Like mm-hmm. we made sure that you know, we put in it that his whole life would change over $1,600. That's nothing. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but in terms of a life, $1,600 is there's no way. And the community really got behind him. I don't mean to say like we gave him the whole 16, but we posted it. And then then we also contributed. Within two hours, the kid had like $3,000. Beautiful. So we do that. Uh, There's this one young man, um, his mom, we, we still stay in contact. Uh, King, King Mullet. That kid's going to the NFL. And if not, he'll still be okay. Mm-hmm. We met him. We sponsored him to pay for his training. He goes to his football team. He plays on another football team. But outside of that, his mom has him with a personal trainer, mm-hmm. a personal linebacker coach, and then a strength and conditioning thing. So we paid for the for him to be on a track and field type uh, training regimen so that he could be more limited to make him better as a linebacker. This is when the kid was like 10 or 11. He's like 13 now. You see him. He's 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 going places. And, and also his mom has the right mindset. So that was like a $250 donation to him. Mm. That would have made it. It was like a 16-week thing that could have changed him being on the team that he got he got picked, picked on now. Mm. So it's not like, you know, people think you got to have, you know, millions and millions. To, nah, there, there's somebody, my mom, when I was younger, there was a team, a local organization these guys put together, and it was $30, 25 or $30 to join the team. My mom didn't have it. They they knew her, and it was like, look, you just give us as you can, but we'll still give them the jersey, but just, you know, pay the $30 as you can go. Mm-hmm. And I got to play, like, this touch football program that they do again, just for the neighborhood kids, just to have something to do for two seasons. Mm-hmm. Like, if they would have said no, I wouldn't have got the opportunity to play sports. You got to do that. I feel like you just got to do that. So that's what we do. You know, like I'm always going to give money back to students through my company, through HA Homes, right? Through Mary Kay. It's always, I'm always going to give back and my time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like so simple for you. I just feel like it's just an ease. It's like, okay, what's needed? How can we show up? And it's just like, you do what you can and you just make it happen. Even if you can't do like you mentioned, you, mentioned, you reach out to the community. Hey, this is what's happening. What can we all do as a team, community-wise, business-wise? What can we do to come together and help this person? I think that is a beautiful thing. So let's get into HA Homes, as you mentioned earlier. How did you get into real estate? Um, officially, I bought my first property when I was like 22, 23. I used credit cards to buy it. Mm-hmm. Again, simple math, just simple <laughs> math. I read a couple books. It's, it's in my book. Somebody gave me Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. It was kind of as a slight almost too. So I'm not going to give, I'm not going to say the person's name. Maybe by now after all these interviews, they know about it and maybe they're angry or maybe they're happy. I don't know. But I feel like at the time it was like a slight, but I read it. I gravitated towards it. And uh, also living in Minneapolis when I moved out there as a team, or I got sent out there as a team. Um, I, I seen a different side of life. There was so many people, regular nine to fivers who had like houses and cars. And I never seen that in New York. 
Like I didn't know anybody with a two bedroom apartment mm-hmm. and all of my friends had brothers and sisters. You know what I'm saying? Like at one point it was five people living in my house. So it was a one bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. So like to go and see people with car, even in the hood, like I was in the hood when I moved out there at first, but still like, even in the hood, you got a car, you have a, a garage, like, you have a backyard. Like this is amazing. So I wanted to get my first house. And um, that was when I was 18. And then it took me a few years to find somebody to give me opportunity. But yeah, I got my first first rental at like 22. Nice. So yeah, I just it, it just made sense to make money like passively. Mm-hmm. I didn't know these terms at the time. Right. I didn't know ROI. I didn't know, but I just knew that if I put my money in, it was better than to put it in the bank. And, and that was the most important lesson I learned from uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So let's peel the layer a little bit more when it comes to not knowing those terms, the ROI, flipping, things of that nature, things that you do have to know when you get into real estate. So did you join a program or an investment group? Because I know that's major nowadays, online courses, like people are given the blueprint when it comes to certain industries. What did your process look like to become a real estate investor? Like what would your title be first? Let me confirm that. <laughs> What's up my real estate? Uh, I'm an investor. I'm okay. a flipper. I'm a wholesaler. Mm-hmm. I'm a mentor. I'm a coach. Okay. And so when it comes to that process, let's just, because that's a lot of different chapters, right? Let's talk about investment first. When it comes to the ROIs, flipping and things of that nature, you started off with just your own experience of just renting. And usually when it comes, like I can only talk about me. When I first started off with me being a podcaster and then how I turned my business was through my own experience. So what did that look like for you jumping in from renting to now owning and now letting people own their own by flipping and showing that they can do it too? What did that process look like for you? You know, they got like the school of hard knocks. Yep. <laughs> I call it, I call it, I call it business school. Okay. So again, I was doing this before. I mean, maybe MySpace existed if you know if you're that age, if you remember MySpace. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But Facebook was a thing nobody was really using. It was for college kids at that point, right? So mm-hmm. there was really no social media. Mm-hmm. And what I did was I just kind of looked at the people that were around me that was doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So like, like I had like my uncle Tim. I was just with him like last week. I because I, I you know I'm, I'm always somewhere. I'm always around. So I was just with him and. I didn't want to get money. Not that he, I'm not gonna say that bad. I'm not. What I'm trying to say is, I I liked his lifestyle, but I didn't necessarily want to do what he had to do to get his lifestyle. Gotcha. All right. But he made it look fly. Mm-hmm. So like I was like, I want to do that. So I got to figure out what I, what's gonna fit me mm-hmm. to get that lifestyle. And then I had other people around me that was doing certain things like like money e banks in the book. Well, I, I just took a picture. I just posted with him. He was known for like real estate but he never looked like looked apart you would think like he making all this money you will look a certain way so there was lessons in that that it took me later on to to get and i just kind of ended up around people who for some reason i don't want to say gravitated towards me but it must must be because we had have those relationships now Mm -hmm. so it was just like a a natural progression like everything else like back when i collected comic book cards Mm -hmm. like i didn't collect comic book cards to make money i did it because like i like x-men like i like spider-man i like the hope and then i had extra so i found a niche um i never wanted to work for anybody ever in life and i never wanted to have to be anywhere i didn't want to be even as a teenager so 
to have passive income, it just made sense. So what ended up happening was I learned every time I did a deal. And then what happens is after you get a certain amount of properties, you start, things start to break mm-hmm. and then you start to call people and you start to have these contacts. And then what happened here in Colleen was so much started to break because I had so many properties. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, man, we could just start fixing some of these things. And then I started getting deals under the table because people knew we'd buy them. And then so flipping became a a natural thing. Mm -hmm. And then wholesaling started because I had so many properties that we were going to buy to flip, but we didn't have enough crews. Mm -hmm. So if I have three crews in 20 houses, what do I do? I make a quick five. I make a quick 10. So then I learned that game and then everything happened naturally. And then I got people around me that you know, was doing it on a higher level. And then we just partnered. And I mean, there's no, there's no secret to this. It's just good relationships, mm-hmm. integrity, the things that we, like we already know. Right. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I have such a, like a cool, if if I could say that, right. Cause that sounds like I'm not being humble, but it, it is like, I don't mean cool, like Fonzie cool. I mean, cool. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I relaxed. Right. Such a relaxed disposition is because everything is really, easy easy is is everything's easy but it's not simple right you want to get in shape it's very easy to get in shape what do you have to do gotta eat good and work out done mm-hmm. everybody knows this mm-hmm. but it's hard to stay consistent right you want to make money making you want to make a million that's like making a million is very easy to do mm-hmm. all you got to do is spend less than you make mm-hmm. And then give the profit that you have left over, invest it for enough time. And at some point, you'll end up a millionaire. Mm. That's the law of compounding. Mm-hmm. Very easy, but it's rather very simple, but not easy. Right. Because simple means a few steps. Easy is like, you know, mm-hmm. but th- then life gets in. Uh, ego gets in. Mm-hmm. Uh, society gets in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I want to. I just, I won't say who, but when he sees this, because I'm going to send it to him. Whenever I talk about somebody, and I, I send it to him. Like, I was talking about you. Like, <laughs> By the way. You, you inspired. Because no no two interviews can be the same. So I always try to do current events, right? Mm-hmm. So this just happened a couple of days ago where somebody was like, y'all want to go shopping. I'm like, for what? Like, I got everything you need. Why would you go shopping? Like, nah, I just burning the money was burning a hole in this person's pocket. And I was like, all right, how much you got in the bank? Like 300 all right, we're going to go shopping. They spent $300 in the store. Mm. So you literally spent your last and you have a car. And then, so what happens if your tire blows? Right. So for sneak, and have brand new sneakers on and bought $250 sneakers. Mm. So that's an ego thing. That's, that's the self-confidence issue. Cause if you're a collector, like I'm a collector, like I got sneakers, I got this polo stuff. Like I'm a collector. Like I have stuff I will buy and never wear. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to collect it. You're wearing those. So you're not doing it for, and the sneakers weren't like collectible sneakers anyway. So like it, it's to look a certain way because you, you feel this is, this is what I'm going to say. When you ask people like why they want a certain car mm-hmm. or they want a certain watch, it's not because they want the car. It's not because they want the watch What they, what they mean a lot of times is they want the lifestyle. Yep. Cause the car is a nuisance. The watch is a cool, whatever the jewelry is cool, but it doesn't really change the day. It's knowing that you could afford it, mm-hmm. but people 
miss that piece. Mm-hmm. And they go from A to Z and they don't really understand what it takes in the inside. And I think that's why we have so many people that are in debt and so many people that, that are like check to check because they don't understand what it really takes to maintain mm. like a big house, what it takes to maintain a Mercedes, what it takes to maintain a BMW. Like those are depreciating things. Like the, there's so much that you don't see because all you see is the end result. Mm. And a lot of times people don't understand the sacrifice and the discipline it takes to really maintain, you know, a $3,000 a month car note. That is a big deal. You know, most people don't make 3000 in a month or they don't see it for sure. Mm-hmm. And just to have that for the car note, not including insurance, the gas, the maintenance, it's insane. But we're not educated in that way by design. And you know what's so funny as you said that my cousin, we've always had those conversations because she had a Mercedes back in the day. Now she has a Lexus. And she was like, her father always taught her, you can always afford the car, but if you can't afford the maintenance, there's no need for you to get the car. And so it gave her a mindset as she got older to think about that, to say, you know, going into this negotiation with this car dealer, whatever the case may be. If I can't afford the maintenance because the tire may blow out, the engine, can you afford those parts that also come with the car from front to back, right? Back to front. And now that I have a nephew, I want to show him the meaning of a dollar when it comes to buying these purchases and maintaining these lifestyles. Like if you want that type of lifestyle, because he always, I don't know where he gets this from, but he was like, oh yeah, mom, it's done. I'm gonna go ahead and get you a new car today. I'm gonna call the people right now. And I'm like, where did he get this from? But it's funny, but at the same time, I want to teach him the other side of it. Like right now, it's cool. He's only three years old. But when he gets to a certain age, I do want to, like you're mentioning, showing what that means to maintain it because we don't see that. We don't see that on YouTube. Like if you look it up and certain things, you may have to look it up, but it's not the popular conversation to have, especially when it comes to finances. So with you having that conversation, do you talk to your kids about that? And I know you say you got a grandbaby that's coming up. What does that look like? Of course you educate, right? But what does it look like in your own household? So, yeah. So it's going to be twins, right? <laughs> but mm-hmm. so it happens, like, let's say like my daughter, my daughter owned her first property when she was 10. So what happens is back in the days, and I, and I say this stuff so people could verify it. Mm-hmm. Go back and look at what purchases in Philly were. 10, 12, 15 years ago, and look at what they are now. That's really why I was able to retire is my investments in Philly. Back in like 2012, 2013, you could buy a whole house in Philadelphia for mm-hmm. like $2,500. Mm. And I'm from New York. So 25. So when you take the currency exchange, I call it, that's nothing. And I can make $2,500 in a week doing overtime or hustling. So you tell me I could buy a house every week if that's what I'm doing out there. Right. And now that same house that in 2012 was $2,500 is now 80, 100, 120,000. Mm-hmm. That's like Bitcoin growth, right? right? So long story short, my daughter, I never bought her a birthday gift. I never gave her Christmas, none, none of that stuff. I always made sure that the money that she collected was always put in her bank account. And I always let her write it out mm-hmm. to talk about saving and that sort of thing. And I always gave her money towards that. Or like I would pay for the party, but I never gave her gifts. I never bought us outside of like regular life. Never. 
Mm-hmm. And then the time came, I did the same thing my dad did, not intentionally, but that's what I did. And I, I had this building we were going to buy. And I said, hey, you have enough money. Do you want to invest? And I have pictures. It's on social media. And I'm going to preface this by saying this, and maybe we'll get into this. Mm-hmm. I closed all my social media. I, we can talk about that after. Mm-hmm. But I do have the pictures. Like I can send it to you if you want to post it in the video when you post it on, on YouTube, right? I made a kid-friendly contract for her. It wasn't the real one. The real one I obviously did, but she had to make the choice to make passive income. So long story short, she invested only a few thousand dollars and that building now she is worth over half a million dollars by herself, not including what we've done since then, mm-hmm. not including her having a credit card from being young um, because I understood trade lines before I knew what the term trade lines was. Mm-hmm. So like I put her on my credit. So she had like a 700 credit score, like when she was like 12, 13, 14, because it was based on my credit score. Mm -hmm. So basically my, my trick to parenting, I don't know if I'm a good parent or not, but at least in finance, it's about giving exposure, which is the the key to education, right? You can't teach anybody anything, but you can put them in a position to learn. Mm. And and what you have to understand is some people are going to gravitate towards what they want to. So like, again, I have a gang of of siblings and I have a gang of nephews and nieces. Some want to invest, some don't. And I'm not going to beat somebody up because they don't. I'm not going to, you know, celebrate somebody because they do. It's just their path. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's something that I learned too, all these years of doing my business to where where it was, where I had some tough situations because at the time, like I needed the money. So I will go harder to sell and they ended up making bigger problems where now sometimes people, they call and they have, you know, I got 600,000. I want to invest with you. And I don't like their tone or I don't like their energy. And I'm like, nah, it's not for not. I'm not the person for you. Right. It's, there's only but so much you could do with money. You know what I'm saying? So like, and not that I'm Bill Gates, but I'm just saying like, like what else, like what else are you going to do in a day? I'm not afraid. I'm not going to drive a hundred cars. Like, I'm not a rapper. I'm not going to buy 500 chains. Like, you know, I got jewelry, but that's not really important. Health, QT. So for me, I'd rather chill all day and then be able to pop up and go here and fly there because I have money to do that than to be working so hard that I never get to enjoy my money. Mm, That's a passive income. If I answered your question, I don't know if I did, but no, you did. You did. That was a word because I just feel people are like this whole thing to me that I've been receiving is just keeping up with the Joneses. So many people are just worried about keeping up with the next person because of that lifestyle, because of, oh, this person got that. And if I got the money, then that shows that I'm kind of living the same lifestyle as them. When in reality, it's not about that. It's like, you know, that time that you spend with your daughter and your grandkids and your son and just instilling in them what your life experience is and just giving it to them so they can grow up to be better than you or to do better than you, you know? And so, like that's the entire thing that I got today as far as like lifestyle. And so, and it doesn't always have to be about lifestyle. It can be about, you know, having that quality time, like you mentioned, having that mindset to spend time and to know, okay, I do have the money to get up and go somewhere, but do I just really have to do that today? (laughs) Like having those options, I think that is the reward at the end of the day. You know, you work hard to say, okay, let's do this. We got some family time. Let's go ahead and take the whole family. You know, let's do this as together so we can celebrate these times that where I do may I may have to be away for a week because I have to work but to know I'm putting it back into the family that's what counts 
So now let's go ahead and get into here the book. So he mentioned earlier, it's called Forget Everything and Reset. Let's talk about how this book came about because you do a lot. <laughs> Coach, educator, investor. Um, what else did you mention? Um, I mean, just so much real estate. You got a foundation. You have so much. And now you're adding an author to your title, right? So let's talk about fear and how did you get into writing and just the mindset of getting this entire publication together as far as the final product? COVID. I was bored. That's <laughs> that's what happened. Okay. I had nothing to do. I was start crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I always have all these stories. And I have all these situations. And then um, people would tell it. I had somebody who reached out to me that said they wanted to be my manager because I could become a public figure. And um, I had an opportunity to be on a big radio show in New York. This was like three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, but I could get you on there, but you're not ready to be on there. And I'm like, you know why? And she goes, because you're not selling anything. Mm-hmm. Just having information is not good enough because you're talking you're going to have access to millions of people. You want to capitalize off that. So you need something to sell. You need to sell a program, a book, a seminar. You need to have something. And I was like, oh, a book. So that's always been in the back of my mind. So I've been working with different ideas of books. I have a ton of notes. There's a lot of chapters that didn't make it into the book. Mm-hmm that's still going to the theme like you know like artists put together an album and just some stuff don't make it Mm -hmm. so that's basically the long and short of it and then um I say this all the time but like my wife she's the one who actually sparked the idea for the title because it was supposed to be financial education about real estate okay and then she was like yeah but everybody don't want to read about real estate Mm -hmm. so she's like you gotta make it more global and this is just like us in bed just sitting there talking that's how, how everything works Mm-hmm. And we just be chilling and then be like oh you know what and it's like oh we're, let's do it and that, so everything just comes natural out of like a need so anyway so she was like yeah do something more global so then I thought about it and then boom so now it's a self-help book mm-hmm. so that's how it all came about so good so when it comes to let's say you're writing it right did you realize how many stories that you wanted to tell or as you mentioned there were some that didn't even make it how did you finalize okay this is the book and this is how we're going to move forward with selling it because let's mention social media we're going to talk about that later but like just making sure okay this is the audience this is how we're going to sell it to these are the stories that we're doing because you got to keep all that in mind as you're getting everything together so let's talk about that Honestly, I just put out a product. Like, mm-hmm. if you look at the book, like, I could go through all the things that I call flaws. Mm-hmm. But part of the charm is that, like, you, the way I'm talking to you, mm-hmm. like, I could code switch. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that's my real voice. Mm-hmm. And part of the charm of the book is that it's so raw. Mm-hmm. Like, there's slang in there. There's curses in there. Like, I say nigga in the book. Like, I'm a dude that says nigga. Like, whether you, like, so it's really me. Mm-hmm. And it was times like when I worked with the person who was editing it or whatever, that was like, you know, how do you want this to like sound? And I'm like, like I said it, like right. I wanted to have slang. I almost was gonna put emojis in it because I'd never seen it in a book. Mm-hmm. Like, and and this is another one of those things. Like, there's some people like, like we'll go to memes, right? 
there's there's that thing where people say, if you tell somebody something inspiring and they're a hater, they're gonna look at it like like you're trying to like show off. Mm-hmm. But if it's somebody who is about something, whether they have money or not, they're gonna be inspired by it, right? So it's not about what comes out of here. It's about what goes on here and how they interpret it. Same thing with the book. Like, so I'm saying that to say this, that like, again, like I have money, mm-hmm. like the book course, I'm selling it for 10 bucks. I'm not making, I don't make millions of books. I, I'm just about to sell my thousand books. So even if I make $5 a book, let's just say that five times that that's only five grand, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. To, like to me in my day. So I didn't write the book to make money. I didn't write the book to do whatever. It was because I wanted to put out something that I was hope would help people. And it was an accessible way for people to have some sort of access to me over and above social media because they can't afford to pay me for my consulting. Mm. Okay, let's go into it being self-help because you mentioned that. And Thinking about self-help and as you just mentioned, consulting, why choose self-help if they can't, you know, move forward with your um, consulting services? Because some people are in their mind, if you can't fit the bill, then you're not going to be one of my uh, clients or whatever the case may be. So for you to give out the $10 book to still provide that self-help. Why was that like an encouragement in a sense to still help people, even though they may not be able to fit this portion of it, but I can still provide some type of help, some type of way. I mean, a quick answer could be, could be okay. that a book changed my life. Okay. What book? Is it the same one we were talking about? Okay. okay. Like now that again, that's like a, a real abbreviated version of the reality that happened. Obviously I've read other books. I've had other life experiences. I've had ups and downs, but that's the catalyst. So that's why I like going into high schools and junior high schools, because like, I remember like that cool teacher. My mom was that cool teacher. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember that one person that made you feel like you wanted to go left or right. So now if you have this book and it's written for you, like it's not written, like, I mean, you read it, you read it. I haven't been able to. You remember I told you I just got back. Into oh, yeah, you just got back. I'll read it. And then you tell me, like, you let me know after you read it. Like, it's written for, like, the youth. It's written for just, like, the common person. Like, like I said, like, it's a variety of stuff, just so you know. Like, I talk about a little bit about being, like, in my 20s and, like, women and, like, my relationships. Like, only in one chapter, though. Because mm-hmm. then I don't want to get into too much of, like, the, the relationships. It's more about the mindset. It's mm-hmm. The book, so this is what the book is. The book is different stories in my life where my mindset dictated the outcome, which happens all the time, but they were contrary to what I was taught to believe growing up the way I was raised. Okay. So like, for example, um, if somebody talks about your mom, what you supposed to do? Fight them. Boom. So now if that's, <laughs> so now that's a trap, right? Mm-hmm. Because now that means if you're successful, all I got to do is talk about your mom and boom, you're Will Smith. That is true. That is true. That is true. That is true. So, so now that's about control. You can't control me. If you if you know that you could press this button and make me do that, you could control me. Nobody can't control me. Mm-hmm. So that's what the book is. Different times in my life where I had a, a decision that I could have went with the status quo and maybe I didn't. Or maybe I did and I learned a lesson. Right. I and that, 
So that's what it is. So it's a collection of those types of stories. I have a chapter in there about my wife. I have a chapter in there about my daughter. I have a chapter in there about uh, this court case that I had to face. I had a chapter in there about being a teacher. Just uh, it's a variety of things. You don't have to read it straight through. It's not a narrative, but it, you can read it like chapter for chapter because there's gems in each chapter. Mm-hmm. And um, I tell that to the kids too. I don't like to read. Yo, don't read it. Mm-hmm. Read this chapter about when I got money the first time and I blew it. Mm-hmm. Read that chapter. Because mm-hmm. that's that's where we are. Oh, you a player. Shorty, read this chapter about this with these girls. Uh-huh. Read, read, read that chapter and mm-hmm. you're going to see. Like that. You know, the parent. Oh, I don't know what to do. I, I want to do 10 things. I have a hair business. I'm selling eyelashes. Um, I, I also make my own shea butter. And and I want to do real estate. And, no, no, no. You need to read the chapter about the one I wrote about my daughter. Because you're not going to be successful. You're not. You can't do 10 businesses at once. It'll never work. Mm-hmm. My business offers different things, but it's one business. That makes sense. It's not McDonald's blew up because it catered to one thing. The biggest companies do one thing well. Mm-hmm. Coke sells beverages. Pepsi smaller than Coke, but they're a beverage and um, uh, like chips company. Mm-hmm but they can't compete with Coke because Coke is good at one thing. Like, so yeah, you got to do one thing. I love that. And it's like you mentioned different personalities, wherever you are in life, what there's no, there's not a direct person that you're speaking to. It just depends on the stage you are in life. Yeah. And your mindset, because like you said, there's somebody who may not want to read the book's not for you. Mm -hmm. Everything's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it doesn't change my day. The book is meant to change your day or add to your day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or I haven't heard of a person yet who said, I bought the book. I ain't like it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, and I don't know if that's like, cause they wouldn't say it to my face, but I know, I know some haters around me like that would, you know what I'm saying? That like, so-called people right. that would, oh yeah, yeah, but yo, you could have did it like this. You know, you get the subtle hate, you know? I haven't really even gotten too much of that. So, um, yeah, the product is what it is. And, um, you know, maybe there'll be a new, another book. Maybe there won't. I don't know. We'll see. Because I always have these notes and I always have these things I document. Love it. All right. So the next part of our conversation, we talk about highs and lows of our life. Um, I know you got a couple of rewards and things of that nature. So I just want to talk to you directly to see what that may look like for you. So highs and lows, let's start with your highs. Anything where you can say, okay, Hussein did that, pat on the back. I did amazing. And this was a great outcome. What would be that scenario? Nah, I'm not like that. I'm like my wife would say, I'll call my wife in here right now. I should tell you like this dude don't get happy for nothing. He don't get sad for nothing. I'm so some not jaded, but like I appreciate, I I truly, I, I believe I truly appreciate things mm-hmm. in a sense that, you know, how some people when things are going good for them, they've had so many bad experiences that they expect something bad. They just can't enjoy the good. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people who have things that are going bad and they're extremely optimistic because they're just bubbly. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's different. So for me, I always say ambition is a gift and a curse. I know I know I'm ambitious. So mm-hmm. like right here, you see like right there that blue award? I do. That's the um SBA yeah. award. Mm-hmm. Right? 2020 businessman of the year. 
first year out of retirement, won an award where I competed against 980,000 businesses in the state of Texas in another region. Didn't even know the award existed. Didn't even know it was a thing. But I won it. One out of nine winners in, out of the, another region. Mm-hmm. That's a huge award. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I was happy. But like, is that like a big accomplishment in my life? I don't know. People tell me to write it down because I mean, it, it, it verifies something, but that that don't, that don't change my day. That's a little award. The, this little bobblehead right next to it mm-hmm. that my wife spent like, I think 200. So I love that bobblehead. I have so much care. I can't put it like this. If I lost that trophy, I know I could get it another one and redo it and get the placard. True. Them, them bears behind me, like my little polo collection, like when I was a collector. I might care more about that than that award. Like, I don't care about things anymore. I used to. So, like, I don't have highs and lows like other people. I just, I'm happy to be here. Like, even, like you mentioned, even with the lows, because I know you mentioned earlier, there are certain times where you have an A and B option. And sometimes you may take the A and it may not be the proper one, but you learn the lesson behind this. Because that's the reason why I do the lows. So, for you, you wouldn't, express like a lesson learned about like one of the lows that's my thing like we don't have to be so hard on ourselves on the low but what does that afterlife look like as far as yeah even though I went this route but I went this route and found out this information to help me along my journey I see so there's some psychology behind this right and I got a degree and it's like it's Mm -hmm. one of the ones I have Mm -hmm. I answered your question you You did you asked about highs and lows if I don't have a low, I don't have a low. But now if you say, did you learn a lesson from, so I could give you a thousand stories about lessons I learned, but that don't mean I had to have a low because it's about emotion and I could control my emotions 98, 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm dealing with something where I can make a really large sum of money and it's a very stressful situation for the average Joe. I'm not focused on a problem. I'm just focusing on a solution. Mm-hmm. It's not a low for me. Mm-hmm. Getting the money is not a high for me because I've already got money. It's going to be a nice day when the check comes, but it's not a high for me because I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. I understand in my business, the thing that's happening right now could happen. So it's not a low for me. It's just something I got to get through to get through my day. So I, I, Hussein, I wouldn't say highs and lows because I'd never get off this. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to have a dope day. Sometimes I wake up 20, 30, $40,000. I lost. I show you, I show you text messages. Mm-hmm. deal fell through $150,000 deal so what's the next deal like what you want to get for lunch like I'm not going to stay stuck in that situation mm-hmm. my mom was here we had out for like a week every day was amazing that was dope <laughs> but you know what I'm saying like but then it was what's the next day you know what I'm saying like I'm just happy to be this conversation is just a dope part of my day mm-hmm. uh something bad happens today that doesn't take away from this mm-hmm. like I could compartmentalize it and I think that that's something that you have to do if you want to be successful in business, because I know people who try to pursue business and it got them sick, like like physically, literally sick, like lost hair, lost eyesight, brain stuff, stomach stuff, physical, because everybody's not built to do this. True. So maybe there's something in my brain, the way my neurons are wired or whatever, that I don't have that wide range of emotions, but that makes me successful in business. Maybe it won't make me successful in something else, but I'm not pursuing something else. I'm pursuing this. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's that. I mean, if you want lessons, like ask me a question. I'll tell you a lesson. I'm like, like I'll answer anything, but um, I don't get low. I don't get low. I don't do depression and I don't do extreme joys. 
is not what it is. Because I'm because I'm, I'm truly like I almost died so many times. I have wild stories, mm-hmm. but like so like I know I, at a young age too. So like I know I don't have to be here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like people, uh, I give you an example. Like my birthday was just in March. What'd you give for your birthday? I'm like nothing. Like it's you didn't celebrate your birthday. I'm like, yo, you don't see my life. Like, look at Instagram. Like, every day is my birthday. Mm-hmm. If I want something, I buy it. If I want to go somewhere, I go. If I want to chill with somebody, I go. If I want to talk, I call. Mm-hmm. If I don't want to talk to you, I cut you out my life. Like, I, my life, my day is to make my life as fun as it could be every single day. Every day is my birthday because I don't have to be here. That's how I look at it. Okay. All right. So for the people that are watching, that little boy, that little girl, grownups, whomever may be listening, right? I have this portion of the podcast. It's called One Free Advice. A lot of people now are charging like $3,000, $5,000, $10,000 just by giving advice. When I feel like conversations and genuine conversations like this, where I'm not, or you're not wanting something at the end of it, this is where you get the best advice and the best knowledge, right? So for anybody that's listening and to walk away from from it, right? What would you give them to where they can start the next day or start the next second, whatever that may look like? This is going to be counterintuitive to the platform. Go but like, I know we just kind of spoke about this before. Like, so like I'm a week off of social media. Mm-hmm. I never, I, I don't want to lie. I I really never ever had social media outside of promoting a business. Right. My business is such at a point right now that um I don't need to promote, and I've never done a commercial. My biggest problem now is I have so many investors, and I have so much money to spend, and I can't produce, so I don't need new clients. So I had that realization and I realized that a big part of my day, whether I realized it or not, was focused on social media, promoting this, that, the third, showing this. I got to go shoot this picture where other, otherwise I could have just been out of state chilling, but I had to fly because I needed the picture to promote that I was doing. And all that extra effort really didn't get me bang for the buck. So I was like, I'm closing all my social media. So like, if you go right now at the end, if you want me to share links or whatever, like if you go right now, you won't see it. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's okay. You're posting anything other than your stories though, right? For H.A. Holmes, that's correct. Uh-huh. But for fear, I was, because it was a different model, it was a different right. beast. Because mm-hmm. H.A. Holmes is is like a car to a business. Mm-hmm. The book is $10. Anybody could buy the book. Mm-hmm. But as far as that goes, if I'm going to give some some advice, yeah, people are going to find your stuff on social media, right? YouTube, this, that, and the third. So after you watch the video, cut off your social media, put the like button and then go. But but I've noticed over just this last six to seven days, it was like a, a weight has been lifted off. A few times I went to my phone, like, let me check. And I'm like, yo, I'm not even logged in. So I had to like move the app off totally to not even have that. But now I noticed like, the last few days, I haven't even noticed where my phone mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. I've been sleeping better. I've been eating better. My day is more about being in the moment. I'm not really one of them social media guys, like, but sometimes, like, you know, we'd be out at dinner and they'd be like, oh, let's take a picture. And then they can end up on a gram and it kind of like cheapens the event. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or like sometimes, like I said, sometimes like I would plan a day around a post. To me, that's corny. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't want to do that. And I don't need to do that. And um, there are a lot of people going back to some of the points, like a lot of every question and answer that we that we've had in this discussion so far, I could tie it kind of back into social media. Like you said about that young boy who wants this car. Well, where does he see that? Right. Like you see a celebrity and then it's like that's the aspiration or like filters. And is these like unattainable or relatively unattainable things. And those are goals. That's not a goal. Mm-hmm. That's a dream at this point. You got this so much, you know, or, or somebody says, well, this kid that's 13 sold $10 million in NFTs. As if everybody's going to do that. Like that's, that's an anomaly. Like that doesn't exist. It's an outlier. It's you shouldn't even be focused on that. But now that, now that becomes like the standard because it's so accessible. And I think that there are certain things that I started doing like posting checks. I think one month in like three weeks, I posted over a million dollars in checks. Mm-hmm. And then I've done that consistently. And then it got to the point where it's like, so what is the point in posting these checks after a certain amount of time? Like it was to show people like, yo, like I could do this for you. I could do this for you. I could do this. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point where it was like, it, people got tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Now what I got to do, I got to show you a jewelry collection. Like, like what I got to, sh- I'm not doing all that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not doing all that. If I got to work that hard to get your attention, like you're, you're not for me. Exactly. So that's my advice. I think it, to paraphrase the, the advice would be, if you're on social media like that, like try to come off your social media for a week. Just start with a week. I'm not going back on for a while. Like I'm not. Um, and, and, and just notice if things change. Notice if your interactions, if your relationships, if your desires. I put down my phone. I didn't know what else to do. Now I'm not looking at my phone. Like what else do I do with the day? I've added things back into my day and, and, and all of these other things. But like. Yeah, I think that would be my advice, especially to young people who don't know anything but that because they've grown up with that. Mm -hmm. Take a week and then even maybe take a a mental log or make a journal. How many times you thought about social media, how many times you reach for your phone and then do it like day to day because I really love data like and and just notice what happens and then notice what else happens when you stop thinking about that. Mm. Like, and you could be way more productive. If you want to become, you want to become rich, get off social media. I agree hundred percent. I know I get fussed at sometimes. It was like, why you didn't take a picture? It's because I was living the moment. I don't like, I've never been, I'm not that chick to, hey, take a picture of me and like, you know, swinging and all like, that's not me <laughs> at all. And people always ask me, so, you know, why don't you post this? Cause it's not anybody else's business for me. I don't have to have any validation that, oh, you know, she lives this life or she, I don't have to have that. Like for me to just say for myself, I have those memories for me. That's all that matters to me. Like, yes, I can take pictures because I can always go back to it. And, you know, things happen. Alzheimer's, dementias and things of that nature. I get it. But that doesn't mean you have to share everything on social media. Like for me, excuse me, my home screen was you know everything that I need to get to which was Facebook Instagram I deleted Twitter a long time ago but those are the main ones because of the podcast 
that wasn't for Brianna in a sense. So I ultimately to add on to your advice is if you are going to that app automatically, take it off your home screen. Put it back to where the rest of your apps are. So it doesn't, when you do reach for your phone, you try to go for it and it's not there, then it's going to be a mental thing in your head like, oh, snap, why did I pick up my phone and go directly to Instagram? Why did I go directly to Facebook? And so just to add on to that is just to move around your apps. So it can just give you a consciousness to where when you do your logging and you do your journaling, you can say, dang. I am like as a habit now <laughs> going to these particular apps when in necessary, you really don't have to. So just to add on to it, just move around your apps a little bit because it's going to be a mental in your head to say, dang, I do need to do something else. Play a game or something. I know that was my thing. When I realized that I was going to Instagram and Facebook, I was just, okay, let me just play like a, a game or something versus going there. Cause I love space. I love dominoes. People that know me know that's my thing. So I would just go to those apps versus going to Instagram to take my mind off of what's going on in the social world. So just to add on to the advice, I just wanted to feedback and give y'all that too. <laughs> I agree with you a thousand percent. Because mm-hmm. if you can't get off, just move it. Give mm-hmm. yourself one more like check. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what am I about to do? Right. <laughs> like, you know what you're about to do? Because okay. safety. Yeah, it's, that's 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 a really good tidbit. I agree. Mm-hmm. So tell people, well, I mean, we're not doing social media no more because usually this would be the handler situation to tell people how to contact you, get the book, things of that nature. We have websites. If you Google me, Hussein, Mathman H. Abdullah, or you Google H.A. Holmes, you Google Forget Everything and Reset, you're still going to get YouTube, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Facebook is still up. I closed my personal page. So yeah, you could still search ha homes us that's the website the the youtube the facebook you can search fear workshops the website will come up all the social media links are there i still got content like i'm not going to take down the content Mm -hmm. um i have videos and whatever but and then you got mary kemp foundation again you'll find a youtube that instagram is not coming down i don't manage that one okay so that one will still be up because people are still, you know, giving money and getting money like that. That one won't come down. It's just not on my phone anymore. Um, so, yeah, those are those are the three. If you want to reach out to me, if you want to ask questions, this, that and the third, like I have more time in the day. I'm always cool with answering certain types of questions. I can talk to you for a few minutes and uh, see if investing with me or or in general is is a good concept for you. And um I have one, one more thing I'd like to add around that. Mm-hmm. So because of the success of the company, I am going to close the company to the public after, like I could show you in this closet here, I have like 45 sweaters. When somebody signs up, they get the sweater, they get the helmet, the helmet's down here, right? mm-hmm. like the graduation cap. It's not, it might sound a little messed up, but after the 45 sweaters or so are done, I'm no longer taking investors. I might not even work with clients anymore. I might not mentor. I might not coach anymore because 
it's so hard to get people that work well and gel and understand this. And we do enough volume that everybody's good. And um, so I also cut my consultation fees in half because this is going to be my last push, unless I change my mind. Mm-hmm. But for now, mm-hmm. this is going to be my last push. And so if you charge a lot, okay, well, now I'm not charging a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want the game, there's no, that's not, that can't be your excuse. Now, if you have another excuse, then that's on you. Right. So you got 45, 50 chances to work with me, direct one-on-one, this, that, and the third, have access to these flips, have access to the wholesale deals through me. Mm-hmm. And um, once that's done, I'm, there's a couple other things that I, I want to branch off into that are going to be way more lucrative. Mm-hmm. And the investors from this are going to be the first people to get involved with that. Makes sense. But I'm not sharing what those things are and they're in the works now. So I'm going to focus on those things and um, put down the other things. I love it. It is elevation. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. And, and that's how it should be. Right. Like, and, you know, and we make more money, so we'll give back more mm-hmm. or I'll create more jobs and then we'll have more jobs and I so on that. and so forth. I just, that that's what I want to do. Uh, and and then uh, I'm sorry if I keep going is. No, go for it. <laughs> Cause I usually yeah. say, is there anything that, you know, you want to talk about? So you're good. <laughs> And the last thing is that, like with the houses, mm-hmm. I don't go hard on, I might get another one. I, I kind of let them come to me. Mm-hmm. And that freedom allows me to work with children mm-hmm. and take my time and reach out to other people. Like there's a young man, I shot him out, Nate. He works with me for free. I have a weekly call with him for free because I met him and he was so cool out in Brooklyn. I, I mentor him for free. It's not because it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be in a school, not every day, because I want to be on my own vacation time too. But I could do it through Zoom. I'd rather work with a hundred schools pro bono mm-hmm. because I can afford to do so than to be on the phone trying to convince somebody why they should invest. Like it's corny to me. Like I don't want to do that anymore. So mm-hmm. I don't need to. And um one more free advice thing. This is something I say all the time. Like I make t-shirts just for me that'll have the slogans. It's um, you, you have to do what you have to do in order to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So if you're at a job that you don't like, if you're doing something you don't like, get through it. But you got to have the plan. You just can't be going through the motions. You got to have an exit strategy. You got to be working towards something and that'll make that day at work that much better. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have that process and that progress. So that's all I'm doing every day. I'm just happy. And then if tomorrow I don't want to do Mary Kemp anymore, I'll give it over and I'll walk away from it. Like if it's boring, I don't want to do it. I love it. This was good. This was good. Okay. So We always leave it off with a motivational moment. This could be a Bible verse, a quote, anything that just sparks my eye. And I bring it on here for me and the guests to discuss. And then that's it. That's a wrap for us. So today is a quote by Winston S. Churchill. The quote is, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. So for me, I'm going to share my thought then from there. You can share yours. But um. When I first read this quote, 
it reminded me that whatever is at the end of the tunnel, sometimes it's just the beginning. I think we focus so much on that instant gratitude or this is the end of the project and let's go to the next chapter and things of that nature when that's not always the end of that situation because we always look for success. And if it doesn't succeed, then it's always a failure when in reality, everything that we do is always a lesson behind it. It could be a lesson that to never do that again (laughs) or it can be a lesson to where you can flip it and do it better next time. And so when I was reading that, I think sometimes when it comes to our our flesh and to our eyes, what we see is all that we get. But in reality, there's multiple layers to everything that happens. You know, God could be working in the background and we just don't know, but we're quitting because this is all that we see. Or when it comes to success, based on, you know, your story that you just mentioned, even though things are going good and money is coming and things of that nature, it doesn't mean that we can just stop here. We can have this situation become bigger somewhere else. You know, even if I have to retire and give this to my kids and just teach them as they're getting older, whatever that may look like, whatever it is to the eye or to the flesh, that that's not all it can be. It can be greater. And so that's what I was thinking about when I was reading this particular quote. So what about you? All right. So I'm going to respond to your feeling about it mm-hmm. a little bit. So success is not a destination. Right. All of this stuff is mindset, by the way. So anybody who's, who's still with us, mm-hmm. I'm not right. You're not wrong. Just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. But my, my approach to success is it's the journey. So as long as you're pursuing something, you're successful because you're working towards something. Right. So that so that's to me that that's that part of of that quote, and um and that also goes to the finality of it. So for me, and and this is one of those things where it's like, a lot of times when people speak about anything, they 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 rarely have the opportunity to be on both sides of the fence, mm-hmm. right? Luckily, at this point, I can say I've been poor and I've been not poor. Right. So I can speak on both and I can say which one I prefer and why or why not. And um, with that is that once and this is not this is this is who I am. I can't only speak my reality. Money is not the thing. You know, how people say money doesn't make you happy. That's a fact. Right. Because, you know. I'd rather have relationships than have money because I've done it broke and I still was happy. I was chilling when I was a kid. I was, but I didn't know I was poor. You don't know you're poor when you're a kid and you're just happy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, money helps. Absolutely. Rather have it than not have it. However, um, everything I, I personally do is about the feeling. It's about the fulfillment. Mm-hmm. It's about yo. This is dope. Yo, let's do that. It's dope. Whether it, whether it's, it works or not. So that's that. And then to to get into to, to the biblical piece, I'm not any sort of religion. I don't identify with anything. I grew up in a mixed background. I'm from Brooklyn, but I can give you something that's in the book. So my favorite Bible verse, my bit is um Psalm eighty two six. You know Psalm eighty two six. I don't. It's in the book. So Psalm and I got it tattooed on me. So Psalm 80, one of the few. So Psalm 82, verse six is ye are all gods. Mm-hmm. And it goes on. Ye are all gods and sons of the most high. So now what that means to me is, and, and also in the Bible, that's Jesus saying that. Right. It's important to know who's saying it, right? Mm-hmm. 
So now if Jesus is saying you are all gods and sons in the most high, then we go back to like what I said, like, you know, if my father was a teacher, then essentially I'm to me, what that means is you control your own destiny. Mm-hmm. So if you can control your own destiny, that gives you an incredible amount of power. Mm-hmm. And I was given that by my brother when I was like 10, 11. Yo, you're God, you're God, you're God, you're God. Not the creator, you're God though. Yes. So when you when you do well, it's because you deserved it. When you don't do well, it's because you deserved it. When mm-hmm. good things happen, it's because you deserved it. When bad things happen, of course, in some, you know, random acts, but for the most part, doing mm-hmm. through. I'm here with you. So for people who are listening, like if you don't like what's going on with you, for the most part, unless you're really young, you put yourself there. Mm-hmm. So all you got to do is take yourself out of it. It might take a grind, but at least you know that there's a way out. You want to make a million? That's your goal. Make a million. You just got to start working towards the process and, and not stay stuck in the moment. So. um that that's that's my response to that quote and i think it's a dope quote but um yeah as long as we know that we can control pretty much everything in our life and we always have a choice that's what it's all about to me i love that i hope you enjoyed yourself oh this was dope i could do this for another five hours this is, I love this. This is good we have to do this again you we know? do we have to do a follow-up we definitely do yeah let's let's do it you know what i'm saying like when, whenever you're ready I'm mm-hmm. o- I'm always ready, and you know, and and I hope your listeners and enjoy this, and they get something out of it. And you know, we kind of like neighbors, so we'll work it out. No, for real. <laughs> I, we got we got work to do, so I'm not even tripping. We got work to do, and I freed up my schedule, so <laughs> I feel special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we got work. To, let's do it. Like, and and I, and I say this: everybody I interview that interviews me, mm-hmm. let's do something. A handful of people ended up investing with me, making mm-hmm. big money. Some of them didn't. Some of them, we just never spoke again. Give you the same opportunity. And then we'll come back. We'll see. Because that's going to be a whole episode itself. What was that journey? What was that that time together? I mean, that's just going to be great. So I'm excited about that. I'm here for it. I, I got 45 opportunities. I'm here for it. Yes. Because, I mean, you are a businessman from A to Z. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I can't help who I am. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, everybody that's listening, definitely make sure that you tune in and keep up with Hussein. He gave you all the information as far as the book, how to get the book, go to all the websites. Right now, we're taking pause on social media, but that does not mean that you cannot take that extra work to just follow him elsewhere, like we mentioned those websites. So definitely tune in. Other than that, is there any last words, anything you feel like we forgot today, anything that's on your shoulders, anything else? Um, yeah, well, you, you, Facebook is still up, so you can still like the page, mm-hmm. still like the, you still like those pages, and outside of that, and you can still subscribe to the YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I just you know, I'm grateful for you sharing your time and your platform, it was dope. I uh, can't wait to to listen back. You know, I don't know if that happens to you sometimes, like, he's so into the conversation, like, you just <laughs> having fun in the conversation, so I can't wait to hear it back. And, um, and then see why we came together. If it's just for the podcast, that's dope. But I feel like there's a lot more that's going to come. So I'm excited to see what the future holds. I feel that too. All right, y'all. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. If this is morning, noon, evening, or night, thank you so much. And we will see y'all next time. 
Hey guys, for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram at what's good underscore podcast or my personal account b.javon underscore. Javon is spelled J-O-V-A-H-N. You can catch me on Twitter, what's good underscore pod C for Charlie. And then you can also catch me on Facebook at what's good podcast. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe and also leave reviews for me to also see. And I can also respond back to you guys. Let me know what you're thinking of the podcast and any updates. Thank you. Have a good one.